Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Long time, no talky talk. Uh, Mr. Headspace and Timing here. Back at my headquarters, it has been crazy these past few weeks. Deepest apologies for no uh, upload. Things have just been, uh, yeah, crazy. So, um, but I'm back. I uh, now have my head above water. I've um, back. Life is normal again, and uh, it's good to be home for a, a spell. I've been thinking quite a bit lately about um, contingency planning, and I wanted to kind of talk about that kind of as it relates not only to the, in the tactical sense, but in uh, our lives, I guess, in our work and whatnot as well. Uh, there's a saying, and um, it comes from the military. I can't attribute it to anybody in particular, but uh, the saying is no plan survives first contact. The point being that you can have the best intricate laid out plan as soon as the firing starts. Um, plans kind of go to shit sometimes. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, there's also the uh, other side where if you've, you know, the other saying, I guess, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So you can't just go into a situation without thinking it through and having contingency plans. By contingency plans, what do I mean? I mean having alternate courses of action. And I would like to share an experience I had with contingency planning and um, kind of really helped me out, I guess. So I left the police department. I had an opportunity to work for this company um, that I felt was too good to pass up. Uh, I gave up that career of almost two decades. And uh, it, this job was one that I really um, could get behind, I guess we'll say. Several months later, I found myself on the uh, U.S.-Mexico border flying a, an airplane. And um, the airplane was equipped with uh, different photographic and uh, sensors, we'll say. Not photographic in the sense of, you know, Kodak snap picture optical kind of stuff, but um, we're talking uh, laser type uh, photography, mainly taking uh, readings of elevation profiles and changes in the terrain. Um, it was kind of exciting work, you know, I mean, it was boring, I'll be honest, at times because it was long periods of, of boredom. Um, but where I was at was really exciting. And that was kind of part of the problem. You see, the company I was working for was heavily involved in uh, overseas type work. And um, they also did CONUS work, but uh, which is where you usually started out. And then after you proved yourself, uh, you could move overseas. But this company... Um, this little sidebar here, had uh, 
flown over and mapped the uh, compound that bin Laden was ultimately killed in. Uh, they were in Pakistan, Abbottabad. They overflew that and were able to provide um, those operators with a level of detail that satellites could not perform. Um, yeah, I, I won't really go into detail, I guess, about what they did and whatnot, because I don't want to get in trouble with them. But um, fascinating, fascinating stuff. I will tell you, we have some of the best and the brightest people on our side in the entire world. Uh, the things they come up with are just mind-blowing. So anyways, I'm operating out of McAllen, Texas, which is right across the border from Reynosa, Mexico. If you don't know anything about the region, that's okay. Um, just take any war <laughs> excuse me, any war-torn Middle Eastern city, plop it down five miles south of McAllen, Texas, in Reynosa, Mexico, and now you know Reynosa. It was not uncommon to hear automatic gunfire, um, explosions. Uh, black smoke, one of their great tactics down there uh, in Reynosa for the cartel was to uh, block off the street with tires, set it ablaze, and then uh, the federales couldn't get in. Um, Reynosa was a, yeah, still is a bad, bad place. It's, uh, the cartel is thick. You've got um, the cartel... CDG down there, uh, who had killed off almost, well, they ran the police department out of town. They killed off about 60% of them, and then uh, those who were left just kind of left out of fear for their lives. The Federales moved in, the uh, Mexican military, and they've been battling the cartel down there for a long time now. To uh, exacerbate the problem, leader of uh, the cartel was captured and I believe may have been killed later on. And so the uh, another cartel stepped in and tried to set up shop. So now you've got two cartels fighting for the same territory and the, uh, the, the Federales also trying to uh, take back the territory. So it's just a... Uh, a bad deal. State Department issued a, a camera what is level three, level four, do not travel. Uh, kidnappings of Americans are common. Um, yeah, if, if you just get on YouTube, look up Reynosa, look up some of the uh, social media stuff, uh, you'll be um, you'll be flabbergasted. I guess the only word I can think of. So, anyways, I was down there to. Uh, to use this sensor system on the border. Um, and the great thing about it was that it we didn't need daylight hours to do it. Um, myself and, and a couple others were down there. Each had our own airplane, and we um, would work semi-independently, but supporting each other uh, at the same time. So one night, I preferred to fly at night simply because there was less traffic uh, in the air 
less to worry about. Um, the air was calmer and smoother and just a lot of advantage to working at night. So I would typically take off, you know, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And airplane I was flying had uh, some seriously good endurance. The airplane, we'll put it this way, would far outlast my bladder endurance. So, you know, the airplane would stay up, could stay up for 12 to 15 hours, depending on uh, how you flew it. But, you know, anywhere from four to six, and I would have to come down and take a break a couple hours and go back up. Um, so that's what I was doing. That was my my uh, routine, I guess you would say. Get to the airport, nine-ish or so, be up around 10, had quite a, a distance to cover to get to my mission area. And then I would just uh, stay on station, loiter the area, and uh, collect the data as directed. But it got me thinking because the area between Laredo and South Padre Island, which is where um, I was assigned, there is some extremely uh, unfriendly territory. And especially being down on the border, there are some extremely unfriendly people down there. When I did fly during the daytime, it was not uncommon to see people crossing the Rio Grande, either in rafts or swimming or whatever. Um, Lots of drugs being moved across, lots of uh, human trafficking moving across. And heaven forbid you get in the way of uh, these mules or the cartels' uh, profit-making ability, money-making venture, they don't take too kindly to that. So flying at night, uh, a lot of movement occurs at night, as you can well imagine, cover of darkness. Although I will say our Customs and Border Patrol men and women are fabulous. Uh, the technology down there on the border to detect uh, this these actions is phenomenal. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes the manpower just isn't there, and... Um, you know, they can't do everything. They can't catch everybody. But so it, it was not uncommon to see this activity taking place. At night, you may not see it as much, um, but you certainly know that it's there. Being alone over the border, sometimes uh, well into Mexico and uh, with no friendly landing place on either side of the border due to terrain, my thoughts turn to the what if. And this is kind of the point of this podcast, contingencies. What if? What if my engine quits right here? Where am I going? A good pilot's always doing that. Uh, What if I take hostile action? Uh, What if the... um, Cartel doesn't like where I'm at, and uh, they decide to take matters into their own hands. What do I do? What if, uh, I mean, any number of things. For a pilot, weather's always a concern, but I could kind of control when and when I didn't go. So that wasn't as big of a concern. But, you know, at nighttime, what if uh, a storm does pop up or somebody is flying um, without their lights coming across the border. 
You know, these are all kind of things that I thought about. And then each what if should have a course of action. So the weather, like I said, I had a pretty good handle on. I just wouldn't go if it was bad weather because honestly, you can't collect good data when it's all cloudy and everything. So that was not an issue. Uh, what if my engine quit? Well, you know, we our planes were maintained really well. And, um, of course, we all know Murphy's on board of every mission. And anything that can fail will fail at the worst possible time. So, you know, my point at, my plan at that point would probably be to just point the airplane north and, and get back into the uh, U.S. of A. and find a road to land on. Uh, what if I stumbled on the cartel? Well, my thought there is, how would I know there's people down there? It's dark. And the obvious answer to that is, well, they'd probably be shooting at me, which is exactly what happened one night. And I was glad I had made these contingency plans because it would have caught me by surprise otherwise. The way that uh, the mission worked was the lower you flew, the better resolution and detail the sensor could pick up. And this sensor is firing lasers that measure elevation changes. And those elevation changes, uh, I'm sorry, the elevation data can be compared to data gathered a week, a month, a year ago to see if any new um, terrain features exist such as uh, new dirt roads or tunnels will commonly show a depression where the earth has settled somewhat uh, under the cavity of the tunnel. So these are the kinds of things that the, the sensor was uh, gathering. So flying low is better than being extremely high. It just makes sense, right? Better resolution. So my flight profile was 5,000 feet. Um, and 5,000 feet is pretty close to the ground when you're talking airplane kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we want to get as high as we can in an airplane. It's where they operate more efficiently. But, you know, 5,000 feet is a lot of... Uh, smaller airplanes, I guess, down that low and, you know, more potential for conflict. And there's also um, people on the ground can see you a lot easier too. So flying one night, I'm coming across the border and I make a hard left uh, U-turn to come back northbound and uh, continue the mission. As I Look down onto the ground, I see an eruption of uh, fireflies, let's say. And I'd already played this scenario out in my mind, so I immediately knew that it was gunfire. Well, I'd also seen gunfire at night in my previous lives, so I immediately recognized it as such. And I had planned that if this were to happen, that I was to go cockpit, well, airplane dark turn everything off, climb, and get out of the area. So that's what I did. I make the left-hand turn. I see the gunfire. 
I turn off all exterior lights. I turn off all interior cockpit lights. And all I've got really is a faint horizon uh, out there at McAllen, which I'm headed back towards. Once I was confident that I was out of range, um, you know, I, I turned some of the lighting back on, turned the exterior lights back on. I was definitely worried about uh, running into somebody that would be really bad to survive being shot at only to be uh, killed in a midair collision with another airplane. So I um, turned the lights back on, landed, and inspected the airplane that night. Did not find any bullet holes. Um, I suspect that 5,000 feet was too high for um, any small arms gunfire to reach me accurately. Uh, I assumed it was rifle fire. Um, just, I mean, by the size of the muzzle flash and quantity and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, I no damage that night, although I was looking in for, uh, for bullet holes in a dimly lit hangar. So I went back the next morning, still didn't find any damage. And in the meantime, had sent an email to my boss, um, letting him know what happened. We took appropriate countermeasures after that. And as I was to come to find out a couple days later, uh, there was a, on the Mexico side of the border, a semi-trailer found locked, uh, full of people. So I stumbled across this semi-trailer unknowingly. The cartel thought that I was, um, maybe customs border patrol looking for them or looking at them and decided to, uh, drive me off. Um, so the, the plan that I had, albeit simple, I had played out in my mind beforehand and it worked. Um, that's, you know, I, I, don't think I would have done anything different had I not planned in that case, really. But um, knowing what I was going to do helped to uh, remain calm and just implement the plan. And that's kind of the point that uh, I want to make here in this brief time that we have together. If you have a plan, A, B, and C options... When things go sideways, you don't have to think about it. You know, we talk about the OODA loop and uh, the observe, orient, decide, act. And if you're not familiar with that, maybe we'll talk about it later. But um, it's fascinating reading. It's good stuff. And if you can spin that OODA loop faster where your observation is quick, you orient because you've already played the scenario out in your mind, you've already decided what your actions are going to be. All you have to do is act. You're 75% ahead of the game. You don't have to observe, try and figure out what's going on. Uh, You don't have to orient yourself to, okay, where am I going? What am I doing? You don't have to decide what to do because the decision's been made. All you have to do is act. And that 
ability to identify threats and mitigate them has helped me greatly uh, in various aspects of my life. I would encourage you, whether it be in business, uh, negotiations, or um, relationships with coworkers or for anybody, utilize this uh, technique. Have a contingency plan. Um, maybe you're taking a trip. Okay, what if the car breaks down in the middle of Timbuktu? How am I going to get help? Uh, identifying threats, mitigating them, and knowing what you're going to do could mean the difference between life or death, certainly mission success or mission failure, and nobody wants to fail, especially when it's so easy uh, to do. Make a list. You can do it on your phone while you're sitting in the airport waiting to catch your next flight. Okay, what are my risks in in this uh, endeavor with this uh, camping trip, this hunting trip? Hunting season's coming up. I'm really excited. With this uh, adventure I'm about to embark on, what are the risks? Okay, here they are. Now let's cross them off one at a time. What kind of plans can I make to either mitigate that risk or in the event that you can't get rid of it entirely, how are you going to deal with it when it happens? Um, Too many people don't don't uh, do this, and it really it can really cause problems. Um, there's no reason not to make contingency plans. Um, you know, this pandemic, whatever side of it you fall on, whether you uh, agree with the actions or not, um, I have my own doubts as to the the efficacy of what we have done in the nation, um, not being critical of our leaders, but because I think they're doing the best they can. I, I don't fault that one bit, but it's had a lot of consequences on people that uh, in industries that have been rock solid in the past. And a lot of people have lost their jobs and I feel for them. Um, having a contingency plan for employment, I think, will be on the forefront of a lot of people's minds here in the near fu- in the future. Um, if you have a job that uh, where your health is a condition of employment, kind of like mine is, you know, if, if I'm not healthy and can function, I I don't have work. Having a, a contingency plan, source of income that does not rely on the same skill set that you presently have is a great idea. Something that you can do um, from home, from a desk. Uh, If you lose mobility, those are all things that uh, can and should be considered. But that's getting kind of heavy and, uh, you know, it's close to home for a lot of people. A lot of my friends have been impacted in that way. So, you know, I hate to see anybody caught flat-footed and not knowing what their next move is and how they're going to provide for their family. That's a terrible feeling. So, that's about it. Plan for the worst and 
hope for the best, I guess, is is what uh, I'm getting at. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, please contact me. I welcome them. We're all in this together. I uh, hate seeing my fellow Americans suffering, and I hope that we get back to a place where we, we don't have to consider or worry as much about our livelihood. Uh, if you need help, reach out. If you know people who need who need some help, reach out to them also. It's a tough time. My thoughts and prayers are with all of you. God bless America. God bless the Second Amendment. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm glad you're here.